Um, so over the course of the weeks, we'll be presenting the material. My assistant, Dan Landry, over here, <laughs> will be teaching on the evenings when I'm not here. And it's not, you know, it's not like the committed students, of course, we're not asking you to sort of sign on the dotted line that you will be here at summertime, and you may come and go a bit. And so we'll try to review each week a little bit for what we did the previous week, so you'll, there'll be a chance to catch up. Um, and if you decide you like it and want to bring your best friend, feel free um, to bring them along if they don't have to have been here since the beginning. So I was mentioning to the Tuesday group, um, I got news last week that uh, one of the great Western Zen teachers, so not in our lineage, had died, Charlotte Choco Beck. And some of you may have read her book. She's written a few. And she lived down in San Diego where she taught with great devotion and many devoted students for a long time. She was in her early 90s when she died. And one of the things I loved about the little thing that was sent to me was she said that um, she was still dealing with the same emotional, psychological, social, and self-esteem issues she had when she was 16. So there's not much hope. Except, except that, but here's the good news, that now she was behaving differently around them. So, and that was perhaps the best you could hope for. So I thought that's, that's actually, I think that's my experience, really. It's probably the experience of most of the people in this room, that a lot of the issues that come to visit are the same ones you had when you were young. And if you question that, you can go visit your family of origin, as I did last week, <laughs> and you'll see where you're not cooked yet, because your sisters and your parents and your aunts and uncles will invariably bring out those places that have been with you ever since the beginning. And one of the ways that Joko Beck taught was that she was really, she wasn't interested in the kind of practice that just happened on the cushion. That, to her, was not practice. It certainly was not all of practice. But what she was very interested in was how you lived it in your life. You know, where is it that you took this practice and you put it to work in your day-to-day experience? And so that everything that we do on the mission, she thought it was important. She continued to teach people to meditate her entire life. But it was, it was a way of practicing that then opened out to this much bigger field of practice. So we've talked on occasion, we, you've all heard the question, you know, is Buddhism a religion? And some people will say, yes it is. And some people will say, no it isn't. And some people will say, it's a philosophy. And, and you can get quite a conversation going about what is it that this Buddhist thing is. And one of the ways of holding it that I found to be most helpful is to hold it as a way, as a path, as a way that you walk, as a way that you live your life, and then 
what happens as you walk that path is there may be some kind of spiritual or metaphysical opening for you. I don't know. It happens for some people and not for others. But that doesn't seem to be the core of what the Buddha was teaching. And so what he taught were a large number of practices that include practices on the cushion, practices of meditation, practices of giving your attention to your speech and to your actions and to your livelihood, and and that there is, in a way, regardless of what your metaphysical beliefs are, there is a Buddhist path that you can follow. And I know, actually, there are many people in the Buddhist world that I've traveled around in who are Jewish or Christian or Hindu and who still, as they will say, do a Buddhist practice. They walk the Buddhist path. And, of course, the the really wonderful thing about the teachings of the Buddha is that he gave us many, many, many lists of things that we can work with as we walk this path. And so this particular list, um, this Wings to Awakening, is one that he himself mentioned at the, at many times actually as his, the last years of his life went by. For those of you who um, like to collect Pali names, um, it's called the Bodhipakya Dhamma. So that's the Pali version of the 37 wings to awakening. And so these 37 wings are the elements of this, of the various lessons. So here's what we're going to be looking at. The first portion is, the first four things are in the, um, what many of you might know is the four foundations of mindfulness. It's sometimes also called the four frames of reference, which is a way of holding it that I quite like. So these are the practices of mindfulness, of giving your attention to the body, including the breath, giving your attention to the feeling tone of your experience, (coughs) pleasantness and unpleasantness of it, giving your attention to what's the state of your mind? You know, is it relaxed and open and spacious, or is it tight and contracted? Focusing in on some of the things that you begin to see as you do your practice. Beginning to see um, the things that support your practice, beginning to see the things that get in the way of it, beginning to see how it is that suffering arises in the mind and the heart, and most importantly, beginning to see where it ends. So that's the four frames of reference of the four foundations of mindfulness. The next four are the four wise ways to use your energy. So I love it that the Buddha puts this right here in the middle of it all because he's really saying this takes energy. You cannot do this practice without putting out some effort and energy. And so these are about um, cultivating um, helpful states of mind and sustaining them when they're there and then discouraging the, the places in the mind and heart that are not so helpful, and also dispelling them when they've already arisen. And then there's a whole series that actually is probably the most esoteric piece in the lot. Um, it's called The Four Bases of Power. 
And it's not a list that you're going to hear talked about very much. I think maybe in all of my 25 or 28 years of practice, I've heard maybe one or two Dharma talks about the basis of power, and maybe I've given one or two in my life, and that's about it. So that's, you know, and if you think about all the talks you've heard about the hindrances or the Four Noble Truths, that's not so many. So these are, they're all um, developing a sense of strength and power in your practice, and they're all focused around concentration, actually. Um, Working with uh, an appropriate use of desire and persistence and intention and discrimination. So that gets us to 12. And then there are two lists of five that are exactly the same. And one of them is called the five spiritual faculties. So a number of you will know that list. Conviction or faith, persistence, or energy, mindfulness, concentration, <coughs> and wisdom. And the, so these are things that you can develop and use and sort of see what is it you need in your practice that you help to develop your practice. And then those same five things are considered to be the five strengths of practice. So that, that when they're fully developed, they are actually what's really strong about your practice. So now we're up to 22. And then we have seven factors of awakening. So mindfulness and um, investigation and effort again, rapture, serenity, <coughs> tranquility, concentration again, and equanimity. So you can see also some things thread through. They're on several lists. And we'll be hearing about them over and over again. And then the last is the Eightfold Noble Path, which is probably pretty familiar to many of you, and it's part of the Buddha's teachings on the Four Noble Truths. So that's a lot, huh? Oh, it's a lot of wings. Some of them are similar. Um, and actually, in a conversation with one of you um, earlier this week, there was some thought about, well, could, were we going to have to get all of these 37 wings to coordinate? So that was sounded scary to the person I was talking to, and that sounded really scary to me, actually. It was like, get them to coordinate? I don't think so. But I think what it really is helpful to see them as, is these are, they're, they're available to you. And part of what I hope you would walk away from with in this class, and I think at some point we'll bring a printed out list and have it here so you can have it. Um, I didn't do that tonight. Um, is the sense that, that with, with this kind of a toolkit, you can go in and go, oh, you know, I really need more mindfulness, or I need to look at faith, or I'm really looking at wise speech, wise action, and wise livelihood as a way to develop my practice. I've also wondered a little bit, we talked on Tuesday, whether these are a toolkit is a nice image, but I also thought maybe it's a survival kit. I don't know. You know, sometimes we, we really need these things just to make it through. However, there's one thing I really wanted to mention tonight as we go into it. Because this is a list, this 37 wings, it's pretty much focused on the wisdom side of practice, on discernment, on waking up. And it's not so focused on the heart. Doesn't, you know, other than the quality of faith, so in the five strengths and the five faculties, 
um, there really isn't much attention to the side of the practice that has to do with the heart. So I really wanted to point to that as we begin this conversation because it seems to me that often what happens when we have mm, a lot of attention paid to concentration or effort or, or being mindful, sometimes what kicks in, probably most of you can guess, is the judgmental and critical mind. And so we, we practice, but we practice with this kind of critic, or maybe it's your fourth grade teacher, or maybe it's your mother sort of over here in the corner, kind of critiquing every move and judging you for not being where surely everybody else in the room is. And, and that's a very unuseful way to practice. So I would invite you to consider that in a sense the ground that we want to start with is the ground of the heart. That if you, it's said actually that one, the two wings of the practice are the wing of wisdom, of insight and discernment, and then the other wing, and I always think of them as, you know, almost like a mama chicken with her brood, you know, so one, one wing on each side. And the other wing is the wing of compassion. So we're going to be working a lot for the next seven or eight weeks on wisdom. But let's not forget the wing of compassion and let's use that as a way to, um, to ground our practice. And this is, it's a bit paradoxical because certainly the awakened mind is inherently accepting and kind and compassionate. It seems to come with the practice and, and developing it, that way of just being willing to be fully present with whatever goes on in the mind and the heart. Um, and at the same time, it's definitely for most of us, since we're not starting out in that awakened place, something that really needs to be developed. So. For those of you who are somewhat new to this practice, as you're reflecting on these lists, as you're incorporating them into your, your meditation practices, I'd really encourage you to take a little time, extend some kindness and compassion to yourself as you begin, and also as you see the places where you, um, you know, where you're not fully awakened yet and where you where you need some work. So I thought what I'd like to do at this point is to lead us through a little more of guided meditation. So I want you to sit quite comfortably because I want you to be be thinking a little bit. You're not going to be just meditating. But just sit comfortably. And then I'd like to invite you, as you begin, to create a clear intention. Some of you may not be back. I don't know that all of you even knew that you were starting or coming to the first of an eight-week series. But even so, you're here and you practice. So let's create an intention for your practice, and most specifically for this series, if you're intending to come to it to hold it with kindness and compassion. 
to create an intention to when the judgmental and critical thoughts arise. There's actually a wonderful instruction that I just reread from my friend Sylvia Borstein. Pretend they're somebody else's thoughts. They're not your thoughts, and you don't have to pay any attention to them. You don't have to identify with critical and judgmental thoughts. So an intention of kindness and of not getting caught in judgment. And then I'm going to read this list again slowly. And I'd like to invite you to see if there's one or two of these things that jump out at you as, oh, this is where I really need to pay attention. Now, it might happen in one of several ways. It might be that you will notice that something will come up and you will go, oh, no, not that one. I don't want to work on that. In which case, that's probably the one you do need to work on. Mm -hmm. Or it may be that something will just call you and you'll go, oh, yeah, that's where I really need to focus. And, of course, the worst case is neither of those things will happen, in which case you can just choose what seems interesting, what seems like a good place to focus your attention. So, the first is the four foundations of mindfulness, or the four frames of reference. So one remaining, one is focusing on the body and breath. The second is awareness of the feeling tone of experience, pleasantness and unpleasantness. The third is awareness of the qualities of the mind. And the fourth is mindfulness of the of the dharmas, of the insights that arise with practice. The second group is the four wise efforts. So the first is um, is preventing unwise qualities from arising. A mind of, that is obsessed with desire or aversion. And the second is the ability to dispel the unskillful states of mind when they have arisen. The third is the ability to generate skillful mind states. And the fourth is the ability to sustain skillful mind states when they're already there. The next group is the four bases of power. These are all around the area of concentration, so you might just take the group as a whole, if concentration is interesting to you. Working with desire, persistence, intention, and wisdom.
The next group is the five faculties. So considering, do you need more faith in your practice, more conviction? Do you need more persistence or effort? More mindfulness? More concentration, again? Or more wisdom? developing those qualities as support for your practice. And then that same list again, noticing where those qualities are strengths in your practice. Faith, effort, mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. The next list is the factors of awakening. So the first is mindfulness. The second is investigation. The third is effort, again. The fourth is rapture. Fifth is serenity or tranquility. The sixth is concentration, again. And the seventh is equanimity, balance. And then the last group of eight is the Eightfold Noble Path. Wise view, wise intention, wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood, wise effort, again, and mindfulness, again, and concentration, again. So just notice what calls out to you and create some intention to work with that in the coming weeks. So those of you who have come to my classes before know that sometimes what we do is we do little exercises where one person talks and the other listens. And as I thought about this tonight, I thought it would be really good for each of you to have someone witness your intention. So, this is how we're going to do it. In a minute, I'm just going to ask you to pair up with somebody who's close to you. And then in some simple way, for each person to take about no more than three minutes, and I'll time you, to talk about your intention. The things that you're willing to say about it. Obviously, you might be sitting with a stranger, there might be things that you're not willing to say. During the time that the person is talking, their job is just to reflect on their intention out loud. And the job of the other person is not the normal um, participant in a conversation. The job of the other person is to listen and to witness. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say, oh my. You don't have to laugh. You don't have to say, that's great. 
you just don't say anything. Your job is just to listen and to be the witness. That's all. So your job is to be mindful, kind of actively, for your friend. And then you'll flip places, and the second person will stay there three minutes. So, And I'll just time you, and then we'll come back as a group, okay? And I'll finish what I have to say, and we'll be done. So if you'll just find someone near you, and Dan, if you wait a minute, and let me just see whether we need you or not. Are you all? Just let me know when. Is anybody missing somebody? You are. We've got Denny. We've got somebody over here. We need somebody. You don't count, Denny. Okay, so let's be quiet for just a minute. Make sure. Take a moment. Actually, don't be quiet. Make sure you have each other's name. Dan, you can come sit with me if you want. Oh, we've got one person over here. Or you can stay there and Denny can come over here. Thank you. Okay, now we're all set. Alright, so figure out who's going first. Going first, and then that person should start. So the first person speaks three minutes, as fast or as slow as you want. Then when I ring the bell, you're going to trade places. No interrupting on the part of the listener. And if it just gets quiet, you can sit there in silence. You know how to do that. The question is to just reflect on your intention for the next week's based on the list that I've read. And if you've forgotten what's on the list, you're just going to have to do your best. Something <laughs> came up several times. Effort, mindfulness, energy, a lot of wisdom came up several times. So you can probably pick one of those and you'll be safe. Okay? Alright, go. Comments on hearing yourself speak your intention, <coughs> hearing someone else's. I just have a quick comment. I think it's always powerful to say something out loud. Powerful and to, to have say it witnessed out loud and have it witnessed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything that yes, please. I found it intimate. Intimate. Yeah. That's a lovely word. And you know when Gil talk, teaches about mindfulness, my friend Gil Fremstone, he talks about it as a practice of being intimate with ourselves. So we're taking that same intimacy and sharing it with another. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to say a couple more things. Um, one is that I think if there's any one thing that I've heard maybe more often than almost anything, and as I've taught, are people who do the practice and then something happens in their lives and then they come in and they say, I don't know what I would have done if it weren't for the practice. You know, that there's something about the practice of learning to be present, the practice of waking up, that we, we work hard at it. We, many of you in this room I've known for a long time, you've 
come to lots of classes, you've gone to retreats, you've worked and worked and worked, and then, you know, then something happens, and the rubber hits the road, and you go, oh, this is why I needed to do this practice, because now I know how to be waked up in this particular situation, and how to meet it with some kindness and compassion, and perhaps even more importantly, wisdom. So I invite you, you know, to take these next weeks in that same way that we're sort of brushing up our toolkit. The last words that Joko Beck spoke were quite wonderful. She said, this too is wonder. This too is wonder. Isn't that amazing? So here's this woman who practiced all her life and she was a Zen teacher, so, you know, those folks, they're, they're much more than we are, you know. They really are tough practitioners. And, and the quality that was right there in those last moments was the quality of wonder and open-heartedness. So to, to really use that place of the heart that we've talked about as your base for this exploration, I think, will be really helpful. So I'm going to stop, and I'm going to make some announcements. But let me just see, if, is, are there any burning questions? Yes, I see a hand. Um, regarding the fourth foundation of mindfulness, is that mental constructs? Or yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, sometimes it's called mental constructs. constructs. It's more, no, it's more, it's the, it's the things like the five hindrances, the factors of awakening, the four, the, uh, four noble truths, those kinds of things that you begin to see. So it's more has to do with the insights of Okay. Um, there's actually not a lot of announcements. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.